Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tennis with an Accent. The fifth slam is upon us, Anand. Oh, yeah. And it is in hot Indian wells. Uh, hot for various reasons. Some of the best players out there. Yeah, and it's also the biggest tournament in the West Coast. Some people, you know, uh, were even talking about having the U.S. Open maybe a possible move. Uh, we won't dwell on that point, but let's break down the draw and see what excites you in matchups. And, of course, we'll talk about that the quarter of death. The bottom half. <laughs> yes, the quarter of death. So, what's your, I mean, let's do a blast from the past quickly. What's your favorite memory of this tournament? It's kind of a very significant stop at the tour, both tours. For me personally, I, I went to Indian Wells a couple of years ago and I had the the fortune of watching Roger Federer courtside. And in all my years as a tennis fan, I never got to actually see Roger Federer play live. I've been to the US Open multiple times, trying to get tickets on the days when he plays and it never seemed to work out. Uh, Went to Roger's Cup in Montreal, didn't happen. So you can imagine how ecstatic I was when I finally went to Indian Wells. And uh, and I was there for uh, three days and watched every session um, and I got to see uh, a match between Roger Federer and Tomas Burdick, um, where Federer won 6-4, 6-love. Now, it was not a close match, but I think for, for a fan like me, or who had been dying to watch this player, um, this was heaven. This was heaven. And he also played your favorite, uh, other favorite, Jack Sock. He put a lesson out there for Jack, right? He did. Jack was an up-and-coming player at that time. And still is. Still is, uh, but... Uh, I, actually, that match is what really made me start following Jack Sock because... Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll talk more about uh, where Jack Sock is in the draw. Uh just want to add my... I mean, I don't know if it's favorite memory, but I remember when it was called the Newsweek Cup. I remember going, catching the school bus in the morning and waiting for the newspaper. And, of course, everything revolved around Boris Becker. And that's also the first time I heard about Andre Agassi. Didn't know how to pronounce that name. Uh, read the newspaper, Becker beat Agassi 7-5 in the third and advanced to the Newsweek, uh, which is now known as Indian Wells final. So as for other memories, uh, Rogers won it four times. But besides that, most of the guys that I've uh, followed on the tour haven't really done well here, like Rafter or Safin. And even Becker, after those wins, didn't really do too well at Indian Wells, except the four Federer wins, of course. And there's one player in the draw today who hasn't done well historically, and he's the world number one, Andy Murray. So we should definitely talk about him. So, you want to start with the bottom half? Uh, normally, we go from the top, or how do you want to uh, talk about this? Uh... Let's go straight to the quarter of death. What's going on there, Sakit? Hey, this is uh, some exciting matches. Uh, this, like Federer said, he came to Indian Wells to play Rafa and you know those big guys, Novak, and uh, it doesn't matter if it's fourth round or semis. So, I think tennis fans are in for a trade. Fine. So, so one... let's, 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 for, the, for those of you who haven't seen the draw, let's, let's kind of call the draw like, like, what's happening there um so who are all the players on that on that in that quarter yeah that uh, i'm sure everyone knows but like you said if uh, someone is uh, not aware it has a, a djokovic this is djokovic quarter it has a, a djokovic playing uh, del potro in a potential rematch of the acapuco uh, second round and then uh, the winner will take uh, the winner of Z- uh, nick kyrgios and sasha zverev and then uh, further is a uh, winner of federer and nadal which is, again, a mouth-watering fourth-round clash. 
That is that is incredible. I mean, for a draw, and it made me wonder uh, if it, it was even a fair thing to happen. I mean, we we'll talk about the other side. I mean, there are good players on the other side. Let's not forget that. Um, but here you have the most recent Grand Slam finalists teeing off in the fourth round. Yeah, but it's their rankings, right? So they they were good enough to get in Australia, and they're now luck of the draw. They uh, both of them have to get high enough, and Roger is the culprit here. He's just outside of top, I think, top 10. Is uh, he the culprit or is the tournament the culprit? So that's the question, right? So for me... Why is the tournament a culprit to be? I mean, You're talking of a four-time winner who was actually back in his prime, who won the Australian Open, and you want this guy to play in the semis and the finals. You don't want him to be playing... Rafa and Novak Djokovic in the fourth and uh, fourth round in the quarterfinals. Look, I, I get that sentiment of the matchups, but honestly, one thing, I'm more content after the Australian Open win. So maybe I'm not seeing the way you are seeing. And secondly, after talking to guys like Taro Daniel and upcoming players, uh, it's unfair. I mean, b- these people are making a living. So what if Roger and Rafa have to uh, lock it out uh, in a round of 16? I mean, there, there's other players in the draw and maybe it's an opportunity for someone in the top. Maybe Andy Murray traditionally hasn't done well. And maybe we'll see a cold striver or someone else come out from there. So I don't see too much wrong uh, in this. And uh, like Roger said, a lot of these matches may not even happen. Because let's not rule out Verdasco. Let's not rule out Kyrgios. And uh, even Federer lost to Donsky in uh, Dubai. So anything can happen. No, anything can happen. There's, there's no doubt. I, I just think that you have to make exceptions for champions. I mean... There are so many things in tennis tournaments that's left to the discretion of the organizers. Wild cards. Uh, I mean, even seedings are definitely one of those things. I mean, we have seen time and again in history where seedings did not follow the ATP World Rankings. And you can't get a better situation than here. But that was only done uh, at Wimbledon. Remember when the Spanish boycott and Kefalnikov was mad one year? But I, I don't remember any other major tournament making exceptions for seeding because grass has become such an, uh, such an alien surface. And that's why they had a grass court seeding formula. But uh, maybe I missed something. I don't know if someone else was doing it as well. I, I really think this is this is an exceptional circumstance uh, where they could have uh, made an exception. Uh, because look at Del Potro, for instance. He's ranked 31. But does anyone really believe that he's he's the 31st best player in this draw? Yeah, but that's what makes it so exciting if uh, Del Potro and Djokovic will play so early and then... Uh, Look, again, I, I firmly believe... And then you have I probably fir- a Goffan Batista good final. No, that, that won't happen either. <laughs> uh, but uh, th- again, I firmly believe 32 seeds are way too many seeds and that's why we don't see so many upsets. If, uh, you know, that's why someone got hard in Australia and then I still think Djokovic is the Let man. Let me ask you this. Why was the Australian Open special? Because p- people lost. You, you're forgetting the script. Like, but it's Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic taken out by Dennis Easterman. And... Uh, Misha Zverev took out uh, Andy Murray. So those but what ups- made it special is because that you those saw upset, the two those, great players in yeah, the of final course. that you want to see in the of final. Of course, but those upsets had a role. Because if those guys were not upset, then who and, knows? We, 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 and we, that's we, my point is here, you're already destroying the draw before you even get to the, the critical part of the tournament. And this tournament will cease to be memorable. If you know what, Roger and Rafa play an epic three-setter in the fourth round, it's going to be nothing like if they had done it in the semis or finals. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Lendl and Becker played their one of their best matches, U.S. Open fourth round in '92. So sometimes it is what it is. And Roger and Rafa, as great they are in their comeback, I mean, they're still. They, they, everybody believes it's like, you know, there's not enough good years left. 
So let's savor the match wherever it happens. We will savor it. We will savor yeah. it. I, I just feel in this case, you make exception for a Grand Slam champion. Where do you make exception when the draw comes out or before the draw? <laughs> <laughs> you seed him. You seed him higher. That That's really what it is. Um, you, yeah, I think this the whole draw is a result of the seeding. It's not so much a result. But it's unfair to a Songa who just, who's kind of on this hot streak. Then what do you tell him? We are unseeding you. Songa because... win the Australian Open like Roger did. Then we'll seed you higher. Yeah, but then the tour, the tour is not about Grand Slam. The tour is about the entire year because people are making a living. It's about ranking points. We know why Roger I mean, look how play. great is the guy like today, the German uh, guy who's uh, Peter uh, Goyovich. I think I'm murdering his name. But he took out Riley Opelka. And this guy has been doing some really heavy lifting uh, in the Challenger Tour. And these are hard-earned points. And then uh, Tara Daniel, the guy we spoke last week, is playing somewhere in Chile. So, this is a very wrong step. So, cons- consider this. Let's say that by the luck of the draw, Roger and Rafa ended up playing in the first round. And Taro Daniel got through to the second no, round. No, they, they can because they're still seeded. So, here's my point. is If, if Roger and Rafa got to the second round, and then uh, only one of them was able to get to the second round. And Taro Daniel, I, I, I mean, obviously great guy. We love the interview. Uh, but, it it's just doesn't sound fair when you have a guy like Roger and Rafa, and even Rafa for that matter, ha- have to play this early in a tournament. Um, because Simply because I think one was injured and, they, and the other guy also I think was hurt and he, he just didn't have, have the results. Uh, so right, Let's move on. I respectfully disagree though, but let's, uh, I think we can uh, continue to take this offline. Uh, let's go, go to the draw, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So um, uh, w- w- what else do you see? I mean, uh, the big match... Besides Roger Rafa, I think in the early rounds, um, for me it's uh, it's Del Potro and Djokovic. Yeah, um, no doubt that's like a heavyweight match right there. And so also there's a match between Sasha Zverev and Nick Kyrgios. And, and uh, if that happens, because they might have to win a match each to get there. Right, um, Del Po and Djokovic for me particularly is very intriguing because um, even though Djokovic has uh, you know the the edge in the head to head. These two guys have played some epic matches in the past, especially in the three-set format. Uh, they go toe-to-toe against each other on the baseline. Most and Del Potro beat Djokovic in 2013 here in a quarterfinal match when he lost to Nadal in the final. So this, and this score has been kind to him. It, it can be done again. And, and their last two matches, uh, the Olympics, where uh, Del Potro literally brought Djokovic to tears by beating him there. And then Djokovic comes back and wins uh, 6-4 in the third set at Acapulco, which was an emotional match for him. Um, and so I, call, call it. I mean, who, who, who's winning that match? I'm, I'm, I'm calling Delpo in that match. Okay, I'm calling Djokovic. Because I think it's I, about time Djokovic. I think, he, I think Djokovic, we might see uh, Djokovic-Nadal uh, quarterfinal. All right, so that you also picked Nadal over uh, Roger. Uh, you kind of simultaneously picked two matches right there. I mean, I, I picked Nadal in my bracket to win the tour, uh, to reach the final. So it'll be a double standard if I say otherwise. You know, for me, the missing link uh, in uh, Roger's victory at the Australian Open was that he did not beat Djokovic, um, the guy he was losing to in slams periodically. He's going to address some of that here. I think he's going to beat Rafa. He's going to get to Djokovic. Uh, if Djokovic beats Delpo, that is, and I'm not picking that. But if he does, I think Roger will beat Djokovic as well and get to the semifinals. Okay, so you're not giving Nadal much of a chance. You think Nadal loses to Federer or does he lose before Federer? Nadal just came off a long tournament, uh, got to the final, I think had a crushing loss. I just don't see him uh, winning against Roger here, who is well-rested. Uh, well-rested, but also I think nursing some groin issue, right, in Dubai. So, not sure. 
how how that's going to play that is uh, yeah uh, barring injuries uh, i think i i, I would say roger is right now a level of confidence where i think he'll handle rafa All right and the other major match in this section who do you see between kyrios and uh, the younger zverev you will be pleased to know sakib that as much as i'm not a big fan of kyrios the way he's been playing recently and i think he's got a chip on his shoulder when it comes to certain kinds of matchups this is why i think he goes and actually beats these number one players now he's looking at zverev across the net he's the real threat for him and um and i think kyrios is going to actually kyrios i think is the superior player uh, between the two oh he is you think so huh and yeah. <laughs> and uh, no i'm serious i thought you we always uh, had a consensus that sasha zverev has the most complete game kyrios probably has higher highs i mean and that's that's my point kyrios has higher highs and when he shows up in these kinds of matches i think i think he's going he's going to be the the better player Okay, so let's advance a little further up in the draw as we are moving our way from the bottom. So, what's the other quarter look like? Uh, the quarter with Chilich and uh, Nishikori are the two highest seeds for a quarterfinal clash. Yeah, you have some pretty good players on the other side. As much as we are looking at the quarter of death, uh, the, you, you know the winner could easily come out of this side, this quarter as well. Uh, you have Chilich, you have Dimitrov, you have Sok, you have Puyi. Um, and Sam you have Quarry. Sam Query, who is now now very They're much not. a part of this conversation. So. Um, there are there are enough players here i think who can who can actually go and win win the whole thing i think because also because i think uh the the the, the quarter of death as we're calling it i think is going to be so attritional that these are the guys that might take advantage of that nobody's winning the whole thing out of this let's get the record straight i i don't see anyone winning uh this tournament from this quarter so uh, i i agree with you i wouldn't pick someone to win but the one player i think who's capable now of winning everything is dimitrov uh he he did break out in the australian open and he's had a hot start i actually think this is the one place where he might actually take that next step and win win the indian wells tournament yeah uh, definitely he's uh, one guy who has been playing some lights out tennis and uh, his matchup with the uh, potential matchup with jack sock could very well be the match of the first week here As a Jack Sock fan, that's a little unfortunate for me because I was looking even further ahead of the draw, and the next round, um, one of these two would play Marin Cilic, and uh, Jack Sock has turned that that rivalry around, and he's he's beaten Cilic uh, twice in a row in, in best of five, including at the U.S. Open. I was really looking forward to that match again, and then I spotted Dimitrov's name. Somehow, I cannot pick Sock over Dimitrov in in their match. Now, uh, can Sock uh, Sock might have to deal with either Borna Chorich or the upcoming Russian Medvedev? Uh, uh, Sock crushed Chorich uh, uh, the last time they played. Um, I I just don't see Chorich being strong enough to beat Sock. How about uh, Medvedev? Have you followed him? Uh, I have. He's won I, few matches. I have, and I I think. in the, this case sock has started playing like the veteran on the tour um so he's no no more in that stage where he's he's i mean he's had some losses of course like to nishioka recently but in the big places i think he he's going to show up and he beat, beat up on these yeah, guys. especially on the us soil where there's a lot of talk about upcoming americans so sock probably wants to clearly establish that uh, he he's the boss for the upcoming american players that contingent and there's quite a few on and in, in this quarter of the the draw there's quite a few upcoming americans um one that uh, nobody probably knows about is stefan kozlov uh, who's going to be playing donald young um kozlov um is a former uh, junior slam finalist 
and uh, he's actually the youngest in among the group of young Americans. He certainly certainly looks the youngest. I mean, this this guy is. He is, and uh, he was actually competing really hard against uh, the likes of Fritz and uh, Pelka Tia for being a year and a half younger. Um, so, you know, at the junior level, I think that's uh, that's quite something that he was able to stand up against these much bigger uh, juniors and and um, and actually beat quite a few of them. Okay, so any upsets in this quarter uh, that you think we might see? So, if you call it an upset, I, I'm actually picking Sam Query to go all the way to the uh, semis. Um, and I think he's been playing really well, coming in with a lot of confidence, winning mm. at Acapulco. Um, he's the danger man, I think, on, on this side. Uh, he gets to play, uh, Luke, he could possibly play Luca Pui, uh, who is also obviously a fantastic player. Uh, I just see with the crowd behind him, Sam Query doing some special things here. Yeah, so Sam Query for Anand uh, in this quarter. I think that's a very bold pick, but Sam has been playing really well. I'm going to stay away from my favorite player, Nishikori, because uh, he's he's had some rough losses in uh, Indian Wells, uh, where, whereas he's done reasonably well in Miami. Uh, so I don't think that's going to change here. I see... Uh, I think it's between Dimitrov and Pui for me. Uh, one of those guys might might be there at the end from this quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, Dimitrov, like I said, uh, potentially could win it all. Potentially could win it all. This is where you heard it first. Grigor Dimitrov breaking through. All right, so one half done. Now let's move to the bottom quarter of the top half uh, where Dominic Thiem and... Uh, Wawrinka. Stand the man Wawrinka, yeah. And we don't talk about Wawrinka on our podcast, right, Sakib? No, I mean, that's only for slams. I mean, we can talk here. I think he will be gone. You know, everyone, week. when this draw came out, everybody's like, Andy Murray is going to have this easy. When I look at this draw, the guy who's really, I think he's pr- probably doing a dance is Stan Wawrinka. Um, he's 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 going to run through this draw here. Um, who, who has he got on his side? Let's see. He's but this the- is not best of five sets, right? So Wawrinka probably could be tested by... The Italian veteran Lorenzi, who's you know who's having a career here. I mean, who knows? I mean, there could be a tight first set. I don't see him losing that match. Let, let's let's look at these guys as well. Lorenzi potentially Cole Schreiber, uh, Doctor Evo standing on one leg, uh, Tomas Burdick with a crisis confidence, um, and the unpredictable Mafis. I, I just don't see Wawrinka losing to any of these guys. I mean, th- this is as easy as he could get. Uh, uh, as it could get for Wawrinka from a draw perspective. Do you see Wawrinka losing his first match in Dubai? Or do you see him losing to Garcia Lopez at Roland Garros? We're I mean, talking of the fifth slam here. He'll show up. Oh, okay. That's uh, still best of three. That's that's my only inhibition when it comes to Stan. And of course, he's like, you know, like the big engine if he gets fully warmed up and we know the results. But I, I still think he may not make it uh, out of this quarter. Who, who do you see him losing to? Uh, right now, again, you know, I could eat my words. I mean, either one, Cole Schreiber and uh, the dog. I mean, those guys, whoever comes out of that match will be a very tricky match for Stan, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we go further down, uh, what about Dominic theme? I mean, we, we he had such a strong first half, faded away. He's again coming. Last year, right? Yeah. Last year. And now it feels like he's getting back in the groove again. Yeah, he's sorted his schedule out. He, instead of playing 28 tournaments, he's only going to play 24 this year. <laughs> so, so he's, uh, again, no jokes. I mean, maybe this is a workhorse kind of a guy who really wants to put the hours out. But uh, I just don't see him uh, doing that well yet. But this is, again, a tournament that has a lot of high bounce. Maybe his game 
is the better one, suited. The one player because who's always played well here, Sakib, is John Isner um, at Indian Wells, former finalist. And he he could likely play Dominic Thiem in the fourth round. And and if that happens, uh, you would have to think Isner pulls it out. Uh, Isner historically has had his best tournament here, no doubt. But uh, I also think Gail Monfils is playing some decent ball. And we keep discounting him from last year. And we think he's the first casualty of the top 10 that's going to make way for someone. But I think Monfils is still really in the thick of things. And uh, uh, this is a guy who's sitting at 10 right now. Uh, I think uh, if he plays Isner in current form, because Isner is losing to Steve Johnson, a lot of matches that he would win in the past, uh, I would pick uh, Monfils to come out from that match. Let, let's talk about Burdick here. Uh, he's been a little bit of an enigma. Had a coaching change, as you know. I think too many coaching changes, because the guy really probably saw, didn't want to cut you off, but I think uh, he was a guy that was talked about until San Wawrinka became the fifth, you know, the big five, or you know, even sometimes big four, the way he's been winning slams. I think Burdick and Songa were the two guys, but I didn't see Songa become that desperate. I think but Burdick has tried every trick in the book. He's gone through coaches, and it's just uh, the improvement isn't there at the business end. And now he's even losing uh, matches that he was winning. He's the guy, I think, to me, who's following David Ferrer in a hurry. His ranking is going the other way around. I was looking forward to a potential uh, third round between uh, Burdick and Tomic. Unfortunately, Tomic lost. Uh, Truly unfortunate, uh, Sakib, because I, I wrote about Tomic and I really ho- I'm rooting for this guy to do well. Uh, just seems to disappear. Yeah, I mean, even I, I feel a little uh, sad about Tomic and uh, the way trajectory has been. He hasn't really, you know, been the press or fan favorite. But the guy totally, I think, has lost the plot. I think he's going tournament tournament. He's losing matches. I don't think he's in it. Uh, I was talking to someone on Twitter and I just feel. He needs to just hit the reset button, take some time off and figure things out if he wants to do this for the right reasons. Because uh, right now, this guy is just like, uh, yeah, it's a train wreck. Let's go to the top half. Uh, let's start talking about Sir Andy Murray. Uh, the one guy who's uh, now being very closely watched. I mean, he's world number one, but he hasn't won anything big since he turned world number one. And uh, lost early at the Australian Open. Um, he did come uh he's coming in on the back of a tournament win he won dubai he had a monster of a match against uh, philip Kohlschreiber when they played that that crazy tie break yes the, the 2018 down, he was he had seven match points that he saved yeah. uh although one could question why he even had to save seven match points against philip Kohlschreiber. but now i'll give him credit yeah uh, but that's a murray match i mean murray gives you full value he's murray again like curious he just doesn't bring his best he's you know for he competes i'm not saying he doesn't try but Murray has different levels. And Murray goes through the motion in many tournaments. We've seen that before. And poor Kohlschreiber, he's been on the receiving it a few times with those marathon Andy Murray matches. I remember them either in Rome or Roland Garros. They played a similar, a gigantic battle. And then Murray came out in the end, uh, yes. winning that match. Yeah, so if you look at this draw here, it opens up beautifully for him. I think all the way to the quarterfinals, he's not going to play anyone. Uh, that I think even remotely will threaten him. Uh, so if you look at the players, you have Feliciano Lopez, um, you have Basta, you have Batista, good, all good players, good solid uh, journeyman, I would say, but but nobody that can beat Andy. Um, so once he gets to the quarters, though, he could be playing Songa, and that could be a good match for uh, and Andy. Okay, let's hold on, even though Murray's my pick. But why do you think he struggles so much here? He's had the strange losses like Donald Young, and then uh, he lost to Delbonis. He did lose to Del Bonis last year. Uh, but the year before, when I was there at Indian Wells, 
he did actually play very well, uh, lost to Djokovic. Um, and I, I have a personal feeling he struggles in the dry heat of Indian Wells. Now, I know he has played a lot in other uh, hot... Uh, you know, yeah, he's, he's been the mainstay in Australia. If it was not for Novak Djokovic, you know, this guy would have won a few titles. There's something about Indian Wells. Uh, and it's not the, that the courts are playing uh, faster than uh, some other places. Uh, because you can see Djokovic is winning here. Uh, and you would think the same kind of courts will uh, favor Murray's game as well. Yeah, if not favor, he shouldn't be having those uh, unusual losses. So that's, uh, But again, he's also my pick to win this tournament, not even this. I think uh, he's getting a lot of those boxes ticked. Davis Cup and then world number one ranking. I think this is uh, one more. Not, he's not winning this, but uh, that, that's maybe a, an end of end of uh, podcast kind of conversation here. I I think that he's going definitely going to the semifinals. There's no threat, um, but beyond that, I think it's going to be tricky for him. Now, who's the threat? What's uh, who's looming large in your mind for Andy Murray? I think, I mean, there's different... Uh, I, all I'm saying is he's not going to win it all, but Wawrinka, if he plays him in the semi-finals, Wawrinka is a big match player. And we talked about how Wawrinka takes his time to get into the groove. And once he gets there and he's in that semi-final at Indian Wells where Andy hasn't historically played very well. But so hasn't Stan, right? Didn't he lose to Kevin Anderson a few years ago? So Stan also has had his uh, fair share of losses at most of these tournaments. You take Monte Carlo out and maybe, uh, I think, a semi-final in Cincinnati in 2015. Stan doesn't really go deep in these tournaments. Yeah, and I, I the reason I'm giving this to Stan this time is simply because of the pressure on Murray to win this tournament. Oh, Murray loves pressure. Come on, Wimbledon guy. I mean, this guy can handle it. Yeah, Murray. I think Murray has better chance of losing to like a, a lower-ranked guy than I think if he gets to Wawrinka. Uh, I think uh, Murray is winning that. All right. That's, that's your call then. That's, that's my call. Murray over Nadal. <laughs> Sorry, I keep jumping ahead. I'm excited, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's actually jump ahead since we broke down the draw. Um, call your four semifinalists. So, who are you uh, looking at for your semifinals? Uh, Murray and uh, uh, I think it's going to be either uh, Monfils or Thiem. Okay, and uh, well, who I have is Murray. Um, I have Sam Query actually making the semis. Uh, Wawrinka. And it is going to be between Delpo and uh, potentially Roger, uh, one of those two. No, Delpo and Roger, oh, one of those two, because Delpo and Roger is a quarterfinal. Correct. Yeah. And, and going further beyond that, uh, I, I would actually pick, um, if Delpo gets there, I'm actually picking him to go, go through all the way. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I know it's a very bold pick. I picked Nadal to go to the finals because that would mean he, not only he beats Federer, he beats uh, Djokovic and Del Potro. Del Potro. So, <laughs> this is already looking impossible. <laughs> uh, okay, Nadal has had you know some great wins here. He's won the thing in desert three times. But yeah, I, I mean, even I'm second guessing. I don't just don't I don't don't see him beating Djokovic. But I think he can beat Del Potro and Federer. And you actually see him beating Verdasco for sure. No, that's a tricky match. But yeah, look, Verdasco is another guy. He, he has tailor made ground strokes to challenge these top guys. But he's also made a career of just underperforming when he gets there. And it's easy for us to mock here. He's supremely talented. I was talking to Gil Reyes briefly in 2010 US Open when he was working with Fernando. And I was a big Verdasco fan. And the guy was telling me, this guy really puts in a lot of work, you know, despite his flamboyant image and being the ladies' man of the tour. But this guy really wants to win. Agree. I mean, he's, he's a good player, but I think Rafa, Rafa will pull this one out. Um, 
What about the young Americans, Sakib? Do you see any of the uh, the younger Americans uh, doing well here? I mean, Opelka is out already, and uh, the other guy everybody's talking about is uh, TFO. Who also lost, by the way, and I think, Sakib, I, I don't think any of these young players are really ready to break through here. Uh, Taylor Fritz is going to play Benoit Paire, uh, who I think, as, freak, uh, you know, as freaky as he is, uh, I think he'll beat Fritz. All right, so we have the semifinalists. Uh, who, who's winning this thing for you? I know it's a silly exercise, but uh, who do you see lifting the trophy? This is a long way. I, I think I picked Del Potro. Uh, Del Potro is. Oh, gonna, you said that already. Okay. Yes, and Del Potro is going to win it. Um, uh, I think it's much overdue. Um, he should have won the Olympics. He didn't do it, um, and he's been having some strong results. And he's never won a Masters 1000. So yeah, this would be a, a great week if uh, that were to happen. And he's been, I think, scheduling and pacing himself really well. Uh, hopefully that pays off like it paid off for Roger. All right, so I'll just repeat myself like uh, I jumped again earlier. It's uh, Murray over Nadal for the championship. So, yeah, let's talk the other draw, the WTA draw, who's, uh, who stands out. And uh, with Serena Williams gone, this is kind of an open field. Yeah, I mean... Any women's tournament these days, the major ones, are always about Serena Williams. Whether whether she's playing well, whether she's playing at all, which side of the draw she's in. I mean, this has always been Serena versus the rest of the field. And the moment she's gone, I think the entire draw opens up. I, I honestly don't even feel like we should be breaking down the draw here. But there are some interesting matches. Um, so the one player that's been really hot recently is uh, Elena Svitolina. Um, who has won a couple of tournaments and she's been looking really good. She, she's beaten Kerber a few times already, right? She owns Kerber, I would say. In fact, uh, she's beaten her the last three times. And so she's looking strong, but guess what? She gets to play Karolina Pliskova uh, as early as the fourth round. Now, that can be tricky for a player like Svitolina because um, she's up against some serious power in Pliskova. Absolutely. And there's also like this, again, not to sidetrack this uh, draw, there's also been some uh, serious talk about Pliskova as being the next number one. Do you think that's legit? She's never been able to put together a string of results. She's become more consistent lately. I still don't see her getting to the level of consistency that's needed to be number one. Uh, so I don't see that happening. Um, but did we see Angie Kerber? Uh, Angie Kerber is the kind of player who you, you, could, you could argue has a fairly steady level. Uh, which she could keep it going for a while, mm-hmm. but even her level has dipped lately. Uh, so this is this is really a free for all in my mind. Free for all, huh? So who stands out? I mean, who are the underdogs? Uh, I think uh, for me personally, it's always Kuznetsova. Uh, you can uh, you can further elaborate if she's a contender in your mind. Before I go to Sveta, I would not be paying enough respect to Venus Williams if I didn't mention her. I think she she stands out to me. Uh, what is intriguing is in the third round, she could potentially play Coco van der Wey, And that's a replay of the Australian Open semifinal. Um, now, could that re- result be reversed? Possibly. But I, I, I think Venus is, uh, Venus is the dark horse. Okay, fair enough. And uh, how about the others? Uh, like Radwanska does... Uh... Radwanska has a lot to lose in this tournament. She was in the semifinals last year. And if she, if she loses early... Uh, she's going to drop a lot of rankings points. And guess what? She gets to play Anna Konyu possibly in the third round. That's another favorite player of yours. That's you? a banana peel game for uh, for uh, <laughs> Radwanska. I'm, I'm sorry to say that she might actually end, uh, leave early. Okay, another player. I've been doing some uh, WTA homework myself. I'm uh, not 
in the same league as you when it comes to follow following this tour. But uh, this uh, girl from uh, Hungary, Timea Babos, I think she won hometown tournament in Budapest, and she's also now a lower 30 seed. Uh, what do you see of her game? A good win. She beat Safarova in three sets at Budapest. Um, she's she's a very tall player. Uh, she's got a, a strong baseline game. Um, I, I think she's got some potential, but she's going to come up against Kerber in this draw uh, in, in, in the fourth round, and I don't see her getting uh, past that round. But with Kerber being shaky herself, if she gets past Kerber, this could, this could be one of those things where Babos actually makes, makes a longer run. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping for one because I kind of, this was my scouting report. <laughs> <laughs> two other players we haven't talked about, Saqib, uh, are Muguruda and Konta. Uh, these two could potentially meet in the quarterfinals. Um, Quanta has been really uh, hyped up on this tour right now, and uh, she had, uh, you know, even people picked her to upset Serena Williams yeah. at the Australian Open. Are you pointing at me because I was one of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but but uh, the hype is real. Uh, she's got a uh, really solid baseline game, and I think even Serena said, um, you know, the scoreline didn't reflect how close that match was. Yeah, she packs a punch for someone not, uh, you know, not not a big girl, you know. She she definitely has some weight on the strokes. She does, she does, and uh, I can see actually see Conta being one of those players that goes all the way. Uh, so actually, in in my draw, I see Conta going all the way. Let's see, Sakib, for all the research you've done, who 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 are you going to pick for the uh, women on the women's side? Uh, let's pick the finalists and the winner. Uh, before that, I, the match I'm excited about is uh, the match you already mentioned with Alina and uh, Pliskova. To me, that's the final before the final. So, so I'm eagerly awaiting it for that match to happen. And that being said, I'm going to stick with uh, Karolina Pliskova to come out from the top half and uh, play Angie Kerber for the championship. Oh, wow. Okay. I think the one that's going to sneak out, sneak through this draw is Wozniacki um, um, on the bottom half. But she's going to play a powerful player on the other side in Johanna Conta, who I think is going to overpower her in the final and win it all. So there's the preview of the Indian Wells tournament, which has already started. Uh, very exciting matches coming up. And we're all looking forward to the quarter of death, of course. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, please give us a follow on uh, on our website. It's tennisaccent.com. Yeah, and also, please continue to share and uh, retweet whatever I send your way. I've been very grateful. Uh, the podcast is growing slowly. And we've, get, we've been getting decent feedback. So thanks for listening, everyone. And if you haven't checked out our latest interview with Tado Daniel, please do. And also check out Anand's blog post regarding the two falling stars, Kyrgios and uh, Tomic. Rising stars. <laughs>